Unarmored Talk Podcast, episode 29, being a bisexual black male, the challenges. With today's guest, Jay Pruitt, business consultant and community activist. And please remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel at Mario P. Fields YouTube to watch this episode and previous episodes. And don't forget to leave a rating and review on the Unarmored Talk Podcast page on Apple Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Unarmored Talk Podcast, where we will have real-life conversations that helps you develop an accurate way of thinking. The way we're going to do this is by gaining a better understanding how feelings, emotions, and thoughts can influence the outcome of a personal or professional challenge. I'm your host, Mario P. Fields, and today's guest is Jay Pruitt. He's a business consultant. He's a community activist. He's some. He does a lot of other things, and I had some business interactions with him uh, previously a couple a couple of weeks ago and i tell you he had me running outside doing about six or seven sprints to the mailbox and back jay welcome to unarmored talk thank you so much mario i got to keep you on your toes so <laughs> yeah it keeps me tall too you know it keeps me above five foot two and a half you know what I there mean? you go that's good enough yeah man so hey thanks again from coming you know coming on the show and tell the uh listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself Absolutely. So again, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, as you said, I'm a business consultant, community activist, um, actually born in Birmingham, Alabama, Roll Tide. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Alabama by birth, as I say, growing up in Birmingham, went to college at Morehouse College in Atlanta and kind of traveled all over the U.S. for a while, uh, ended up in New York. And now I'm here in Fullerton, California. So um, I'm now a Southern California kid, have a finance and um property and casualty background as a trainer, team manager, uh, compliance officer, collaborated with learning and development. And in 2020, I decided to take all those skills and combine those with my community activism. Um, I, I am on the board of the um, LGBTQ Center here in Orange County, and I um, am on the steering committee for HRC for Orange County. So um, I'm very active in the, in the LGBTQ community. So I decided to take all those things, put them together, and I created the Akinzie Group, um, which is my consulting firm. And we specialize um, in leadership consulting and diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting specifically on queer issues when it comes to organizations. But of course, all the intersecting, um, all the intersecting things that come along with that as well. So that's that's right. my background. Wow. And, and and from my understanding, this this is your first podcast. This is my very first podcast. You are you're the first one to ask me. I appreciate it. Wow. And you come to one that you have to remove your armor to talk. So, man, I, I commend you for having the courage. But let's jump right into the topic. This is how we do it here. Absolutely. You, you know, from my understanding, you're about 16, 17 years old. I mean, in, in your introduction, you mentioned some of your initiatives that you're doing and representing the community. Right. You know, and you, you go, you know, I'm starting to I'm starting to think that I like men and women. Right. And, yeah. and it's real. Talk, talk to me about how that journey impacted your life talk to us about that absolutely and and i love being unarmored i like to show up as my authentic self and i feel right. like that's kind of the business that i'm building up also so um so people can do that everywhere but i would probably have to go back before 16 and 17 i probably have to go back to probably elementary school and knowing that um from what i'm being told by the people around me i think i'm a little bit different mm. from that I didn't have the words of pansexual or bisexual at that point in time um but that that was how i was understanding the world to be. Um, and uh, unfortunately, growing up in um, the Deep South and growing up in a Black household, 
uh, that really, really butts up against some very, very entrenched cultural issues. And so from a very early age, um, I had a really, really hard time when it comes to um, coming to terms with my identity. Um, of course, there was probably an impossibility to be out at that point in time, probably before high school, um, just basically for safety. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to uh, queer kids uh, in general, but especially queer kids of color um, who are growing up in, in cultural situations where there just is no safe space. Um, for for you as a queer person, and so it takes a it takes a lot to be able to to uh, maneuver through that environment. So very early on, you know, experience violence and and um, wow. definitely unsafety when it comes to my identity. Um, and sometime around sixteen or seventeen is when I started coming out to some of my family, um, not my parents, but to some siblings and people I was dating and friends. And I started to, uh, I did have some safe spaces within those folks to be able to actually um, have some some interesting conversations and start to explore what that means to me. You, you, you know, when you mentioned safe space and, and you, you know, you would think that no matter what we have going on in the world, we can go home and, and feel safe. Yes. But from what I'm hearing from you, your home wasn't even a safe space per se. Absolutely. Talk, talk to me about how how that impacted you, where, you know, your your safe space wasn't the typical safe space for young people. Absolutely. So uh, it's really interesting because in, in HRC, if you go on their website, they have a lot of indices that talks about what youth of color are going through at home. And really, they're going through it more at home from what the stats say than they are when they're actually in public. Wow. Uh, they're actually probably getting more support outside of their home than within their home because of the, because of being unsafe. Uh, and that's because of the culture. Um, Black culture is usually not amenable to, to that sort of situation. And I use this example. Um, there was a recent cultural um, event called Versus. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but it's this very... It's a very black um, uh, online event that was created during the um, during the pan pandemic, and it is where you have these two black uh, um, artists come together and they talk about their music. And so this uh, last one was the Isley Brothers and uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, which I'm ex super excited about. Right, I love both of those groups, and you know this is this is this is supposed to feel like home to me, right? Right. This is, you know, all this music, all these great stories. And Steve Harvey, who was um, hosting the event, came up and all of a sudden and said, hey, you know what? Back in the 70s, you know, we didn't have this. We didn't have that. We didn't have men dancing with men. And all of a sudden now my safety has just been eroded off with that one comment. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing about that comment is uh, it wasn't that men weren't dancing with men. It was that uh, it was actually looked down upon. And they weren't safe to dance with men, right? And it's the same argument that um, someone would say, well, there was no racism in the 60s and 50s. No, you just probably were of the demographic that didn't experience racism. Right. That doesn't mean racism didn't exist. So, you know, I use that as an example to say that was an event where I totally felt like that was my home. I should have been very comfortable there. But all of a sudden, um, that microaggression could be a macroaggression, all of a sudden made that experience unsafe. And, right. um, you know, we uh, Black culture has a... Um, a lot of toxic masculinity. I know a lot of people don't necessarily like hearing that word and feel like it's a buzzword, but it's very representative of what it means to be a black man. Um, it's very rigid. And um, one of the reasons why I feel comfortable coming on your show and the work that I do is because I'm, I'm wanting to change 
what that idea is, right? I love black culture. I don't want to get rid of black culture, but I do want to, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I do want to be able to work within our culture to say, okay, these things are serving us and these things aren't. We're, we're actually, um, we're abusing and we're not protecting and we're not nurturing our children the way we should. And what does that look like? Yeah. So that's, that's a bridge I want to build. And at, at, at one point, you know, during, during this journey, at one point, did you start to question yourself, like, why am I like this? And why me? And, and, am, and am I bad? Right. Or, you know, I don't know if you, if you believe in, uh, you have Christian beliefs or right, which I, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't like to assume this is on our thoughts to be accurate and you can let me know, but you know, why am I like this? And is God going to look at me bad? And, you know, is my faith being questioned? Have you ever had that confusion? Yes. And I'll tell you from the very start. So I grew up, um, I always say not even Southern Baptist, but country Baptist in a small family church, which I love. I mean, it it nurtured me, but right from the very beginning, um, the, the message was given to me that, um, who I identify with inside was going to automatically send me to hell. And, uh, as a small child, I had the fear that I was going to burn in hell from the very beginning. And, um, you know, you, as, as a queer person, a queer child, you start making these bargains with God, you start pleading with God and you, and, you know, you, you start, you start, um, trying to figure out how you can try to save yourself. And some people do it differently than others. Um, I had a, I had a very nurturing father who allowed me to kind of make decisions on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember praying to God and praying to God. And one day the, the gate didn't go away. So I was like, all right, God, it's me and you. <laughs> I'm moving forward now. I remember in high school, I, I had that conversation with God in church. Wow. And, um, and I, I identify as Christian. I, I identify as a Christian Buddhist. That's my, my, um, my slant. Right. Um, and, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't try to put down anybody else's thought process. And I'm very welcoming, and very liberal when it comes to that. But I, I, um, Christianity, unfortunately, has really put a lot of queer kids in a really, really bad situation very early. And, you know, there was talk at one point in high school with one of my one of my parents to put me through conversion therapy. Right. Because uh, they wanted me fixed. Right. We need to fix you the way God wants you to be. So 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 we hey, you know what? You you have a check engine light. So (laughs) so so we, we believe that we're going to fix you. Yes. By doing. A, B, and C. Yes. That's yes. what you, wow. Yeah, very specifically, you know, if this is true what we hear, there's something we can do. We can get almost to those words. We can get you fixed. And, you know, this is me right before I was going to college. I was like, oh, don't worry about that. I'm straight. It's fine. <laughs> I did everything I could to stay at home and then to, to get out and get to college, you know, because I just didn't want to go through that. But I do know people, very close friends of mine who went through, they went to conversion and they went to some of these work camps and it is, it is, it is violence and it is tra- traumatic. Um, and, it, and it's, it's really, really bad. And um, just to kind of talk about some popular culture stuff right now, but little Nas X, I mentioned this to you before he was, he's this uh, huge pop star who was like a huge black country star who all of a sudden came out as gay. And then he released this video for his song Montero about a month or so ago. And uh, it, it's, it caused a lot of controversy because it's him um, dealing with uh, this satanic issue. You know, he's like giving the, Satan a lap dance and he goes to hell. And it's, it's, it, for people who are straight, it's very alarming to them. Right. They're like, why would he do that? 
uh, what point is he trying to make, right? Is he, is he trying to corrupt our children? But his point is, and there's a really good article on NPR by um, a writer named Ashton Crawley, which I recommend everyone read. But that article, or excuse me, that video basically talks about his experience growing up and being told that he was inherently evil and how he had to learn to come to terms with that just to be able to be happy with himself. Wow. Just to be able to live and to not have to carry guilt and shame. You know, that was that that Faustian deal he had to make with the devil. And at the end of the video, people get that far. He actually ends up killing the devil, right? Because that's like his victory over that. Um, and so, you know, th there's there's a lot of things out right now where people are really starting to talk about what that means. And and um, I'm just I'm proud. Yeah. It, you know, whenever somebody releases a controversial video uh, like that, right. it's shocking. But we need to have the conversation um, because this is something that I think a lot of black parents are struggling with when it comes to their queer kids. Um, yeah. And, you know, and going back to, you know, what you said, being authentic. And then, and then of course, this podcast is real life. Real life conversations, um, you know, so I, I agree with with you that that, um, you, you know, to have the courage to to publicly really, really manifest who you are, period. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you're straight or gay. Just just be you, mm -hmm. you know, and understanding that that we're, we're, we're going to change every second of the day as human beings and, and uh, the constants. We're all humans. So any depression. You know, any, you know, any depression during this, this, this belief battle, right? You're praying to God, you're going, God, you know, hey, what's up? God, um, ain't nothing changing. So I, I guess, God, I think I, this is my path. And now you have your family members going, yeah, you, yeah, we, we're going to send you to conversion. <laughs> you know, that's some high world-class training that's going to really fix you. And you're right. not even broken, by the way. It, during all of this, any depression set in? Uh, the short answer is yes. Uh, probably hell yes. Uh, I, uh, yes, depression and anxiety was, I feel like that was something that just kind of followed me around for a long time. When, when you're a teenager or preteen, life is hard enough. <laughs> I yeah. mean, life is not easy for a preteen. And so when you add that added layer of stress um, onto, onto their life, and then, um, you know, there's a concept of stereotype threat that you live with, even, even when, and this is a, a phenomenon with, with anyone who has a marginalized identity, but especially for queer folk, um, you're walking around with this fear that there will be threat of stereotypes. So you have to always kind of be active about um, not making sure you don't put yourself in those situations, right? So there's this, there's this fear and this um, stress that you carry around with you at all times that is just heavy. And, um, and you know, the, the facts bear out that, um, queer people, but especially queer people of color, um, really, really struggle with a lot of negative mental health outcomes um, because of what they experience um, coming of age. And, and then if you, even when you come of age within the culture, um, you know, everybody, everybody doesn't have the same opportunity to be as vocal as I've been, right? So, and I don't wanna judge anybody's experience. Right. Um, but there's a lot of people, you know, this is just from my experience. There's a lot of people who still struggle with that in adulthood. They're still they're still carrying that stuff around. Um, you know, there was um, I'm, I'm can't believe I can't remember this kid's name, but it was a kid in Alabama um, who committed suicide as a preteen uh, because he was being bullied at school uh, for being queer, a black black gay kid. Yeah. Um, and 
Uh, that stuff is heartbreaking to me. When I heard about that, uh, I absolutely automatically knew exactly what he was going through, you know? So yeah, it definitely creates negative mental health outcomes. And, um, and, and we all um, find different ways to get through it, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. Have you, and then have you ever, you know, decided, Hey, you know, this is, this is where I want to go live, you know, right. This is an area. Have you ever had the, the you know, the, the, the situation where you're like, but I wonder, I wonder if I live here, or I live in this area, you know, what am I going to experience as far as treatment? Has that ever crossed your mind? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, um, I used to do catastrophe operations for a long time. And so I traveled all over the United States from city, all kinds of cities, right? So from big cities like, you know, St. Louis or, um, you know, Metro New York, but then you have small towns, you know, Salina, Kansas, I've been to in Fargo, North Dakota, right? Right. And um, yeah, you do have to think about your safety when you're, when you're in those places. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel that they can be their authentic selves in those spaces. And for myself, uh, specifically, you know, I, you know, we talk about privilege and, um, you know, people say, oh, well, you know what, you're black and you're, you're queer. Well, then therefore, um, you know, you're, you don't experience privilege. I experience a lot of privilege for a few reasons, but one of, one of the reasons that I experience privilege is because my presentation meets a heteronormative idea. So if I'm maneuvering around a small town, of course I'm black, everybody sees that. So that's one issue. But when it comes to the queer issue, that's not something that comes into people's head. Mm. Everybody doesn't have that privilege, right? Everybody does not experience um, the privilege of meeting this heteronormative idea. And so they become targets uh, right, out, right off the bat. Right. So right. yeah, you really have to um, consider where you're living, where you're moving, traveling, um, you know, and this is an issue for a lot of people who are trans and non-binary. Um, if, if you are traveling across country, you probably want to decide where you're going to stop and, and how long you're going to be there um, and, and, and how much you're going to interact with people around you because it can be dangerous. Yeah, that's uh, no, great, great points. And uh, I mean, I know we all think about our safety at one point, but we have different, different reasons why yeah. uh, we're thinking about our safety. And 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 um and I like how you, you know, one thing I like about you, Jay, in your journey in life is how you you haven't stopped. I mean, you're still, you know, you're a community activist, you're business consultant, you're in Southern California doing that. I mean, I've seen you in action myself, and 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 I love how you battle with depression. You know, you had questions about your Christianity. You've had family members say, "We're going to fix you because you can't because you're broken and you're not." How did, how did you get to this point where now you're just this, in my eyes, successful professional who is, who is courageous and who's not afraid to be authentic? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it's just all my, all my doing. Um, I will say that I had a good, you know, of the things I grew up around, I had a really, really strong father who really helped me to, to, you know, be my authentic self. He passed away when I was pretty, pretty young uh, in my early twenties, but, you know, he kind of instilled in me this idea to always show up as I am. Um, and no matter whether he agreed with it or not, um, that was something that was really important to me. And, and for me, um, you know, when it comes to the things that I've been through, for some reason, when I go through scenarios that um, that that try to limit me, 
they seem to give me a little bit of energy to actually try to get on the other side of this thing. And, um, you know, my journey, when I was um, actually at one of the companies that I worked for a really large organization, I was actually married at that time. And again, I have this, this heteronormative privilege and I found myself, um, I actually did a, a, a um, I was on the diversity and inclusion um, council for my organization. And we did a, a, a panel on trans issues. And after the panel, one of the people in the audience came up to me and said, Jay, thank you so much for being a straight ally. And that really messed me up because I was like, I just got erased, right? I just got put back in the closet. Wait, so, wait, wait a minute, what's a straight ally? So a straight ally, like right now, you're being a straight ally right now, right? You're, <laughs> you're not you're not LGBTQ, but you're, you've got me on this show and we're talking about queer issues and, you're, and you're, you are a support, right? That means you're an ally, right? And so I'm not straight, but she assumed that I was straight, right? And, and, and she was thanking me. And that was one of those situations that really helped me to know, okay, I can't be in the closet. I don't want to be passing it straight. So right. I, this is one of those things that really helped me get involved in the community. And also one of the things that really helped me to identify, I, I identify as pansexual or bisexual wherever I go, because I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to have to um, succumb to that heteronormativity. And I also want to be an advocate for somebody who's in that room, who's either afraid of coming out or they are already experiencing bully, bullying or um, some sort of violence from people around them. I want to be able to walk into that room and become an instant ally for them and also to challenge people's ideas and notions of what it means to be queer. Yeah, um, I think people don't really have an idea about what that truly means. So, you know, I like to that's something I like to do. Um, and I I kind of double down on it. Yeah. You you know, and you, you mentioned fear um, at, at any time, you know, where, you know, if you can go back and think what what moment was the most that brought the most fear, uh, the feeling of fear, emotion of fear into you? And then how did you how did you think through that fear? Mm. Gosh, um, I think one of the things that probably brought the most fear um, was growing up actually as a kid and um, trying to figure out how to navigate uh, with with the the kids around me uh, who were who had views about what it means to be queer and how was I going to navigate through that? Um, and I already told you about the Faustian bargain I made with, with God in the back of the church one day. I'm like, hey, you know, we're, we're moving forward. And for me, navigating through that fear, um, I had to try to find people who I could trust. Mm. And so at that point in time, sometime around probably 15 or 16, I identified a couple of friends and I came out to them. And it was just, uh, it was something about having that, that place where I could go Right. If it was only to one or two people where I could kind of feel normal um, and be able to um, have somebody at least validate me a little bit and be able to actually walk through that fear. You know, you never get rid of fear. Right. Fear is a constant companion of ours. What we do get to do is use courage on with that fear. And I don't want to say I was so courageous at that time because I don't want to sound arrogant because I wasn't, but I, I was looking for, um, for some, some safe space and someone to be able to validate what I was experiencing. So um, being able, I remember actually coming out that first time um, and that was just absolutely mind boggling and scary. And I'm lucky enough that those first couple of friends that I came out to was a safe experience and, and it was a, it was a good experience. So 
Um, if there's anybody out there who's, who's struggling with that fear, find somebody who you can trust, you know, who you can lean on. Also, if you're struggling right now, there are probably in your neighborhood, there's an LGBTQ center um, around you. If you're in Southern California, LA and Orange County has great centers, reach out. There's just so many, so much assistance um, that you oh. can get. But finding somebody that you can really lean on, there's, there's suicide hotlines, Trevor Project. There's a lot of um, things out there that, that can get you through. You're not alone. I like that, Jay. La ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you heard it from Jay. I mean, he, he talked about how his father um, and his leadership behavior, right, in the household set conditions for him to, 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 to navigate through some of his personal professional challenges. He talked about finding a, a, not just a friend, right, but someone you can trust, not giving up. And then here we are now, years later. What are you, Jake? Uh, 20, you look 28, 29. I'm 20, 29, actually. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll be 43 in September. Well, happy early birthday. And, 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 and here you are leaving us some amazing wisdom and ways to accurately think um, through feelings and emotions when we're challenged with, uh, like, you know, situations while living. It, you know, is there any last words you can leave our listeners and viewers uh, some advice for them? Absolutely. So thank you again for having me here. And if I have to have any last words, um, it will probably be to address um, all our straight allies that I talked about, right? Um, and if you are a straight ally and you are in a position of power um, within your organization or within your group or, or within your school or whatever, whatever that organization is, um, be brave, take some chances, learn as much as you can about what it means to be queer. There's a lot of resources out there that explains to you what sexual orientation is, gender identity. Um, educate yourself on those things. And I'm not telling you to be an expert on it because you're not going to be. What we want you to do is to be open to these ideas, to understand these ideas. And then we want you to hold space, right? We want you to have grace and have space uh, for people. So uh, if you are in those positions of power, if you are a leader, um, look for those opportunities to be an inclusive leader. Inclusive leadership is really important um, and be able to um, be that person who can be that trusted um, um, person in their life who actually helps them to be the best they can be. You know, when, when we're in organizations, um, when you allow people to thrive, you're going to get a better work product. You're going to get a better employee. Right. So you do it to be helpful and you do it because it's the right thing. But you need to also do it because you're understanding that it's going to help your organization. It's going to help your leadership. It's going to help your business. Uh, so really lean into it. Don't don't shy away from it. Lean into it and go from being an ally to an activist. Uh, it's not that hard to do. Yeah, I like it. And Jay is well sought after in the business circles. How can uh, how can the listeners and viewers find find that? Absolutely. So uh, my website is Akinzi, A-K-I-N-Z-E-E dot -E com. And I am at uh, J.O. Pruitt on Twitter. So you can reach out to me at both of those places um, and on my website, akinzy.com, all my contact information is there. So absolutely. Nice. more about the business and I'd uh, love to hear from you. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward, Jay, to working with you as a colleague, a partner, a stakeholder, and whatever we can do in the business and the professional sector to continue to, you know, to, to inspire some change around the world. Thank you for removing your armor to come on on Armor Talk. Um, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Unarmored Talk podcast. Subscribe at www.unarmoredtalk.com to receive information on the release of upcoming episodes. Unarmored Talk podcast is sponsored by Global Inspirational Speakers, LLC, a inspirational speakers bureau that connects inspirational speakers to the world.